Today's episode of In the Trenches is brought to you by System 12 Guitar Method. Sign up today at RyanRoxy.com. In the Trenches with Ryan Roxy. Hello, 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 and welcome to another edition of In the Trenches with Ryan Roxy. I am your host. Um, as you can see, I'm not in the normal studio. I am at Hogwarts, apparently, or somewhere, uh, undisclosed destination, you could say, somewhere lost in Virginia, because I just don't know where we are. But we're on the road with Alice Cooper right now, and uh, they put us in this haunted mansion of sorts. It still has one of those 80s digital uh, clocks, which is very nice. So you'll get to see that and see what time it is. What time is it? It's in the trenches time. If you're listening to us on any of the audio broadcasts, Spotify or Apple, thank you so much. But you can't see our digital clock. And uh, what we really want you to do is get into the live chat, which is the Ryan Roxy official YouTube channel. That's YouTube.com, Ryan Roxy official. We want you to get in there because you can be part of our live chat each and every week. Thank you, folks, for coming in. And uh, make sure, if this is your first time, to hit that little subscribe button right around here. Vic, our producer, will put it up. There it is right there. And uh, it helps us with the algorithm, helps us uh, compete with all the big superstar podcasts that are out there. But we're just the little guys trying to work our way up. And honestly, today is going to do a lot to work our way up because it's an action-packed, special, special in the trenches version. So this is going to be the first one on the road, and we shall see uh, how many we do while I'm on tour with Alice Cooper on this run. But uh, today is very special because you know some of my favorite in the trenches episodes uh, involve talking to people that intrigue and inspire. Our guest today ticks both of those boxes because for me, she's carved a huge niche uh, for herself in a genre of music that I'm not 100% familiar with. And that's why I have brought a secret weapon with me today to help me out. He's not only good friends with today's guest, but he's also our fellow stage left guitarist on this curtain on this current tour that we're doing with Alice. Um, you ready? I'm telling you, dropping, dropping very special stuff going on today. Would you welcome into the trenches, Mr. Kane Roberts, Mr. Kane Roberts, and our special guest, special, special guest, who's going to actually be our uh subject that we get to talk to all day is the uh lead singer and lead vocalist of melodic death metal band arch enemy alisa white gloves hello alisa hello hey, hey. there you are hey Haven't hey seen thanks for having me yeah so right out of the gate i mean how did you two meet and because you guys have worked together along with our boss, Alice Cooper, not that long ago. And so how did that whole thing come about where, you know, the three of you were able to work together on one of Kane's songs? Um, okay, correct me if I'm wrong, Kane, because now uh, my memory is, is spotty. But I, I think it was Michael Alago, wasn't it? Yeah. Was it Michael know, Alago? It, it was funny. I, you know, I, I was, um, it, for my process was, um, I got, I finished the recording of the song and then I thought, you know, there's a, uh, you know, I was listening to the vocals and I said, I wonder if Alice Cooper could deliver this stuff better than me. And then of course the answer was yes. So everybody <laughs> said, there's no way. So I, I called him up and I said, Alice, would you sing on the song? I'm not kidding you. He said, I'm in LA. I'll be right over. It was that quick. So I, I, I did a guitar solo. And then I thought, I had just seen you. Uh, with the agonist and and with uh, with Arch Enemy, and I was going, who the fuck is this? Unbelievable, you know. And so 
I just mentioned it to Alago. And what does Alago say? One of my best friends is Doyle. And of course, there's the connection. He kind of knows Alyssa. So, you know, I got in touch with you. First he did, I think, and then I did. And you said, I want to hear the, I want to hear the song. And then you said, you said, yes, I, you know, I'd like to do this. Does that sound like the right schedule? It seems proper, right? Yeah, I think it was, Michael. And, that... and you know, it took you two years to record it. Do you remember that? <laughs> and there was one time you came off the road and you went, you said, I'll do it in September. So it was October 1st and you went, fuck, I forgot to do it. You know what I mean? So it was, it was pretty awesome. <laughs> Um, well, sorry about that. We didn't, you know, we didn't have to make that no, no, public, cool. but no, yeah, but, um, it took me three years. So yeah. yeah, I don't, I know I recorded it at, in my home studio. Um, you know, when I'm in a touring cycle, I have no time off the road as, sure. as you're very familiar with. So, um, I kind of, yeah, that sounds right to me. I think it was Michael Lago that introduced us. And yeah. I always say, um, when it comes to a guest appearance, I always say, I want to hear the song first just to make sure I like it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. And then and then for the music video, that that's, I think was... That was like... Thing. I heard the music video, you actually made a huge sacrifice and you went really went for it because you traveled a great distance to be in the music video because you wanted to be... in. You work with Alice and Kane at the same time. How did that come about? I mean, I, I love music videos. And that's part of the reason that Arch Enemy released like six music videos in the last year. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I love music videos. It's like my favorite way to listen to music. And I think I, Kane, you told me that you had one day where Alice Cooper had a day off in Vancouver. Yep. And... I said, well, I play a show in Germany the night before, but, <laughs> but I will fly, right I will fly across. And so I, and so I, I did, I flew and, and then, you know, had a layover in Canada and then flew, continued flying across Canada to get to the other side where Vancouver is. And yeah. Uh, yeah and we, we just made that happen. Yeah. But the, the, the crazy thing was, you know, and, and I felt bad and I couldn't really say that much, you know, cause, cause I was just in shock. You said, yeah, I'm going to fly from Europe. And then I was trying to get the right flight. And then you had to, a layover in Montreal for six hours. I, I don't know if you're, I think it was something like that. And then you flew all the way to Vancouver. And I, you know, I just was so grateful. Like, I couldn't sweet. even believe it. And, and then when you brought Doyle, I was going, this is freaking awesome, you know. And you guys were working together, trying to get stuff right. And, you know, it was just, it was really good, really good. So Kane's mu music video. Fast forward up to 2022 right now, just recently, new videos coming from Arch Enemy, all in support of the new Arch Enemy album, which is called Deceivers. So um, how's it been going with the rollout of that and sort of the entire making music videos, which you did say is part of your, you know, the way you like to listen to music? Have you made a, a, a few already? Yeah, so Deceivers is finally out. This album we've been working on for uh, a long time, and we just released it less than a month ago. So it's finally out. Um, we just did a bunch of signing sessions across Europe and shows and festivals across Europe. And we released, I think, six singles for this album. So we've actually been able to play a lot of the new songs live already, even though the album just came out. So it's making the set list 
uh, process pretty difficult because we have like six new songs that we want to play, but also like the old stuff as well, right? Yeah, there's 10 other albums, you know, so it's, um, it's, I mean, it's a good problem to have. We're very thankful to have that problem, but um, it's, it's awesome. It feels really good to finally have this album out and uh, also just to see that people know the singles already so when we do play them live they're singing along they know what songs awesome. we're doing it's 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 great i know in the alice cooper set list we we actually have a reserve spot for new song slot and sometimes that changes every few shows so we can have a couple new songs of, a, of an album but of course you know the lion's share of the audience wants to hear schools out. They want to hear poison. They want to hear the nice guy, but we like to do some really deep cuts a lot of times, but we always have that little, what's the new album slot going to be. And it has that, but you, with six different uh, singles out, are, do you have uh, lyric videos for each and uh, music videos for each? We have mute full on music videos for each one. Yeah. Full on wow. full production music videos for all six. The most recent one was, super cool actually because we recently played Vakken and that was our first show on European soil since 2019 mm. um, and Europe is our our stomping ground that that's like our home base so um, that was our first show back and we decided to kind of surprise the audience and so what we did was we had this unreleased song called The Watcher and we decided to throw that into the set list and film the music video for The Watcher at Vakken and so now that's already surpassed a million views like it's going super super well which again thank you for everyone who likes that song and listens to it but um we filmed that song at live at Vakin and uh released the music video like a few days later in conjunction with the release of the album but do you do you so. remember I, we were talking on the phone right when this pandemic thing happened and i remember one of the things i i remember from that is i said no it can't last that long and you went no, it can last that long. And my, and my thought is, do you feel any difference in terms of uh, the music business and how you guys approach the whole thing post the pandemic? In other words, how does it feel? How does the audience response feel? Is there any sort of noticeable difference after that kind of, was it like almost like a two year break that you had to take? Yeah. Or does it seem like it just kicked in immediately where it left off? I mean, I'd love to ask you guys the same, the same question. Um, but from my perspective, I feel like it's everything I was hoping it would be. So people are hungry for live music and they're really Army. into it, Army. you know, like, and so yeah. the response has been amazing. We, yeah. we did do a full tour in April where we, but it was in the States and a little bit in Canada. So we did have that already under our belt from the springtime, but to get back to Europe where, you know, like, and these amazing festival summer breeze reload buck and, and just really, you know, see on the scale that we're, we're used to see audiences coming out and enjoying music and supporting the bands that they love. It was um, really, really cool to see that because I know for a certain point, I, I think that a lot of people didn't know for sure if live music would return. Yeah. And I think, you know, like, like with everything else in the music business, we adapt and we try to find ways of uh, working with the changing times and the changing technology. And a lot of bands were doing like, um, live stream concerts and stuff like that. Isolation and videos. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And just stuff to keep our fans entertained. You know, that's what we're here for to make our fans happy. And, you know, we, I think that 
you guys are probably the same where if I'm not like giving something to them, then I feel kind of useless. So, yeah. and um, as musicians, there's always basically a financial crisis. There's always some yeah. sort of, we're always kind of in crisis mode in some, in one way or another, because you don't know when the next tour is really going to come in. So I, I feel that we do adapt and you said, you said it perfectly. And those of you that are wondering about Vakken and what it is, uh, there's a lot of people at Vakken. So that video must look insane. You must have gotten a million views just on the people that were there because it's about what about 80,000 uh, plus, you know, yes. at that festival, right? And yeah, it's a huge, huge metal festival in, in Germany. And we were in like a headlining slot and it was just really, really so nice. I mean, we, we always love playing that festival, especially even, I mean, I love all festivals, but especially Vakken. It's such a nice festival. We have a DVD we filmed there in 2016. And so now to come back and have that be our first kind of show back, almost like an album release yeah. show in a way. And then the music video as well. It was just a lot of fun. Well, that's new Arch Enemy album, Deceivers. It's out. Uh, it was out right now. Released August 12th on Century Media Records. And of course, you can check out um, our good friends at Brave Words uh, had put up a uh, nice piece about you guys. How when you did uh, release the album, it went uh, straight to number one in Switzerland, France, Finland, uh, and just completely dominated the charts in Europe and U.S. So very cool. Great work. Yeah. Super cool. I mean, it's crazy to think that, you know, metal and, and with influences of death metal could be on the charts next to like rap and hip hop and pop and like, because that's what this is, you know, it's not the metal charts, it's the charts. So it's Just crazy that, yeah. yeah, yeah. So it's really an amazing honor to think that like, there's enough metal head, there's enough of us out there that we make that happen. You know, it's really right, cool. Right, right. Well, I think the strength of that, and especially for bands like you, um, when you do release an album and the way, you know, we're able to make our living is through touring. And that's how you build that following. That's how you build that dedication. And that's why we're moving on to the new Arch Enemy Tour uh, that you're going with Behemoth. And it's starting what it kicks off real soon, like basically the end of September, right? In, in Dublin, Ireland. Let's talk about that. Yeah, we have um, a really amazing tour package. So it's uh, Arch Enemy, Behemoth, uh, Carcass and Unto Others. And we did a similar package already in North America. We did Behemoth Arch Enemy, Unto Others, and Napalm Death. And that was so much fun. So we're basically doing the same thing. We're actually bringing some of that tour package to South America immediately after the European tour. So we have about 11 weeks of touring coming up in about a week and a half or so. Wow. And you can get all those... Uh tour dates where well, I know we'll go over the, all the links later, but where's the, the best way to find those tour dates at archenemy.net. Yeah, we try to be easy to find. So archenemy.net will give you the, the links to all the tour dates where you can buy tickets. You can get VIP packages. You can also find our social media if you want to follow what we do. And, um, but basically the easiest thing is archenemy.net. Great. Well, I mean, I'm looking at all these pictures that Vic Chalfont, our uh, uh, illustrious producer, is putting out, and and then I'm sitting next to the guy himself, and I'm just thinking, one word just keeps on going over, over and over in my head is fitness, because and there's this, are those are our sirens or your sirens? I don't know. It's me. I'm sorry. No problem. What did you do? <laughs> she's, they, they found me. Undisclosed location. In a bunker. And, yeah. Don't worry. There's no <laughs> sirens around here. There's only ghosts. Yeah. But the thing is, I'm looking, I'm just thinking, the two of you, 
obviously look like you're very fit. Keep yourselves healthy on the road. Uh, what are some of the tricks that either of you can pass on to the listeners to stay healthy, not just on the road, but at home as well? I mean, I'm curious, Kane, you've you've been back now with Alice Cooper for one show. Yeah. Um, what's your plan for working out? What do you how do you plan on maintaining it? Well, you know, it, it, back back in the day, I I had my crew bring along a uh, pull down <laughs> machine, a whole rack thing and a bench. And, you know, I had like three fifteen, maybe, you know, like, a, you know, weights, all these plates and everything. And I did that for about a week. And then I just looked at the crew and I said, you know, they don't fucking need this bullshit. So I said, don't bring that stuff out. So I started, you know, if we did like a 24 hour drive, uh, the rest of the band would get a candy bar and go to go to bed. And Alice would play golf and I'd find like Frankie's Iron Shop in Chicago or something like that. And, you know, when I went to see Doyle, you know, he had like all his dumbbells with him and everything. And I was just thinking, like, it's, I don't know how many people do that. And, you know, of course, you know, you've got to keep you got to keep uh, your eye on uh, your diet and, you know, in your camp, you know, your 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 mom and Doyle and you, you know, uh, they you started getting me into into vegan. And what has started to happen is it's some of the most unbelievable food, you know, because that's the thing with me. When I went to Japan, I was going, everybody's like, oh, they probably eat a lot of sushi. And well, they eat a lot of different food. They eat sushi once in a while. And so I started getting into that. So, you know, of course, you just you hit the gym when you can. So like sometimes right. don't you feel awful when there's like a three day run and you can't get into a gym or you can't do your normal routine? You know, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I mean, I actually do the same thing as Doyle. So I have gotten into the space where my at home workouts are exactly the same as my on the road workouts because I also just bring the dumbbells and a just yoga mat. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, well, it's power blocks. So, so not to like, you know, put an ad here or whatever, but like power blocks, they take up such a small amount of space because right. they're just, and you can adjust the weight in like 2.5 or five pound increments, depending on the right. set that you have. And so for the, like, I like to do a lot of um, just like no break workouts. So I'll just do like supersets and I'll go like straight from like circuits, like a circuit basically. Sure. And yeah. that I can do kind of anywhere as long as I have those weights. Right. So I'll set that up backstage or, or sometimes just, uh, you know, around the backstage, depending on the layout of the venue. My drummer uses them too. Um, if there's no space, which does happen, um, sometimes I can't get that workout in because there's just no space to do it. And that, that does suck because yeah. the, I mean, the show I don't know if you're feeling like the yeah. the, the hangover of the show, but you think you're in shape until you go play a show and then you realize. It takes a few to get under the belt, right? <laughs> so you're back in the, in the show form. Yeah, I get I, it. I told Alice last night, you know, after the first show, I said the first five songs I was like running around because, you know, they want me to do so hit these different marks and everything. I was completely dead after the fifth song. I was going to, oh, yeah. I just got to stand here now. You know, there's a lot of stuff. I mean, he's got a big head. Don't, don't worry. You know this, you know, he's he's got a, he's got a very nice large cranium and he's a sniper's dream. But at the th same time, uh, the, he's got a lot going on. He's got notes and he's got us. He's got me whispering in his ear, stage right now turn the solo. And then yeah. he's got, you know, and he's got Tommy over there. Go get over there. Get over there. And, and then he's got, Oh, by the way, he's got to watch out for a sword that's always being wielded by Alice and a whip that's always being, uh, you know, thrown around by Cheryl, Alice's wife, who's in the show. And ask Kane how that whip felt Do when Doyle, he got hit with Doyle it. Doyle said to me, hey, Kane, 
are you part of the big head club? And I said, yeah, I am. And he goes, welcome to the club. And I said, you know what I mean? So I said, but but uh, yeah, the first show I got uh, hit in the face with a whip. Um, and I'm not kidding you. And then I, I fell almost completely into, into the baby, baby carriage. carriage. And then I was supposed to catch a corsage of roses. And I forgot and it bounced off my head. It was a fantastic Easy guess, target. Fantastic Easy show. target. Yeah. You know, it's not... Yeah, so I just went. Hey, can I get the next uh, flight home, or what do you guys think? You know, so oh see, man, yeah. we're not like a, a, a an arch enemy show where you have to watch out for the the flamethrowers and you know sort of the CO two tanks. You just have to watch out for baby carriages and whips and whips yeah. and whips. Okay, <laughs> and a guillotine, a guillotine and as a well, guillotine. if yeah, I remember correctly. Yeah. If he yeah. gets his head into that, then then we're yeah, really in trouble. Yeah, yeah. So, so <laughs> is this is my you, spot? <laughs> you mentioned Doyle because obviously the two Doyle and, and Kane are, are are bros, but you've been together with Doyle for for many years. Um, that's another thing besides uh, health and fitness on the road, relationships on the road. Um, how do you? You're both in successful touring bands, which means that's a great thing, but it also means a lot of time apart. How are you able to deal with that? And so give me some points so I can FaceTime my wife right after this and start using those. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, I think it's, you know, I, don't, I, w- I wouldn't say I, I'm qualified to be a relationship coach by any means, but I think that uh, a lot of it comes down to just uh, having your goals aligned, like the, the, the people in the relationship have to have their goals aligned. And, um, we definitely do. You know, I remember when I was a teenager and just starting to get into bands and, you know, you do that thing with your, your bros in the band and you're like, all right, so band before everything, before girlfriends, before boyfriends, before school, before work, band before everything. And I, I committed to that and I never broke away from it essentially i just said any opportunity that i can get with music i have to take it a thousand percent and i'm still like that and i also encourage doyle to be like that because i think that his band doyle is really good really really good it's like super good music yeah yeah. Yeah. and and i'm saying that of course i'm biased but the thing is i heard his band um when i met him and i wasn't like with him yet and i I, I already liked it. You know what I mean? So it's, I, I thought it was a good band before I had a reason to think it was a good band. So um, I want his band to succeed. I want people to go to their shows. I want him to do well. I, I, I love when he plays Misfits shows and it's a sold out arena. Um, so even though it's tough because we don't see each other that much, I, I'm happy that he's getting to work and I'm happy that I get to work. And so it's not super easy, but it's worked for like the past almost decade. So I guess it's fine. <laughs> the thing is, you, you made a really good point because people always talk about balance in your life and how you think. I always think that obsession, although there is a version of that word that's not good, but it's a good thing because, you know, it, it shows what you're you see where the light is and you just have to keep going towards that. You know what I mean? And other stuff might get neglected, but in your mind, that's not neglect. You know what I mean? It's just this is you have your life and then you're smart enough to have your relationship and your relationship is strong enough and the understanding is there. So, uh, yeah, I mean, you, your career, your music, all the stuff that you do, you, you really can't look away that often. You have to just con- constantly stay on it. Yeah. Yeah. It makes sense. My yeah, it's like a priority been, thing. Yeah. Yeah. My philosophy has always been try not to focus on the time you're apart from each other 
and just appreciate the time you are together mm. because I do that with, you know, with, with Bianca, my wife. And, uh, you know, she's she comes from South Africa. You know, I, I'm on the road, Europe or uh, U.S., and we both reside in Stockholm, Sweden. So it's like we have this triangle and the times that we are together, we really do appreciate those times because it's not always that often. Yeah. And I mean, I genuinely like if Doyle plays an awesome gig, I feel like I played an awesome gig, you know, or like sure. if he yeah. eats some delicious pasta, I feel like I got to eat it, you know, so it's like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know what I mean? I so I'm like, food. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, so I'm like genuinely happy for him to be going and doing those things, you know, so it's it doesn't really matter if I'm there or not because he's yeah. getting to do yeah. it and I'm getting to also do it. So, yep. but food, health, fitness. Uh, relationships it all seems to uh be very very much a, a part of your orbit um and i know that uh, veganism is very important to you have you did you turn doyle onto it or did doyle turn you onto it or how did it all work out with you becoming vegan yeah so i mean kane kane knows this already but i've been vegan since the 90s so i've been vegan for almost 25 years and I was vegetarian my whole life before that because I was raised in a vegetarian household, which is now a vegan household. Like my family are, are vegan. And um, so I was already raised thinking about like what food is and what food isn't. I was raised to read ingredients, know what nutrients are, know what macronutrients are, micronutrients, vitamins, minerals, know what they yeah. do for your body. I find that really interesting too. Yeah. And um you know, I started working out when I was 11, you know, <laughs> and, and then I was doing karate for a while. I started working at a bodybuilding gym. So health and fitness has always been something that I've been extremely interested in. I studied exercise science. Um, and so when I got together with Doyle, um, he was not vegan. He was not even vegetarian. And so I explained to him what veganism is. And he was like, oh, okay. And then I uh, explained why I'm vegan. And in my case, it's, it's, purely for animal rights, although the health benefits and the lessening of the environmental impact is really nice. And I yeah, appreciate that yeah. as well. But like the, the most important thing for me is animal rights. And so I showed Doyle some of the videos that people often, you know, see when they're looking into this stuff like Vegucated or Earthlings, Cowspiracy, stuff like that. And um, yeah, a few months later, he basically just told me like, you know, I've been vegan for like six months now. Right. And <laughs> I didn't know, like, I didn't even know that he, he made the switch, but he made awesome. the switch on his own. And, yeah. um, you know, he, he reminds me of this story sometimes where right at the beginning he was um, driving me to the airport, I think. And uh, it was like right when we started dating and we were trying to just catch a meal before going to the airport. We were in New York and uh things were closed it was early and i was like well you, you get something to eat i'm fine like we don't have to find something for me it's okay and he was like no no no. i'm never gonna eat without you and i'm never gonna eat something in front of you that you wouldn't eat, wouldn't eat and he yeah. never did he yeah. never did yeah. so um now now we have the opposite problem where there's way too many good food options and we have to like it's, reel it's, it in you know? I, I, I joined yeah. the, uh, this uh, food service and you know, they send out the pre-prepared stuff. And I'm just thinking, this fucking stuff is delicious. I mean, people have this stigma attached to any change, but they have no idea how amazing the food is. And some, and in you know, a lot of cases, it's better than so-called the non-vegan version of it, like some kind of 
pasta or whatever, because it's just the technology of it has advanced so much. Have, yeah. have you noticed that or? Yeah. I mean, when I first went vegan, you know, 20 something years ago, admittedly, there wasn't as many options. And so I was I didn't care, though. I was like, OK, ice cream, no, never going to have it again. Like, you know, heart. cake, yeah. never yeah. going to have it again. Doesn't matter to me. Like, I'm not supporting those industries. So I just wrote them off. Right. Um, but I think as a result now, like when I find a vegan cake or like vegan ice cream, I'm like, oh, it's like finding the holy grail. I'm like, oh, my God, there it is. I have to eat Incredible. it. You know, <laughs> but yeah, the thing is, not, it, you know, what I yeah, mean? And, yeah, and it's yeah. like it's available everywhere now. It's not even rare, but, um, but yeah, there's definitely been like huge increases in the amount of, um, like vegan options available, even in normal grocery stores. You don't have to go to a specialty store, even in small towns. I've been in a ton of small towns and you go to the grocery store there and there's a whole vegan section. So it's definitely advanced by leaps and bounds. And, uh, the food is so good. And especially like, you know, in Stockholm and in, in California, like, there's so many good places to go eat and, and oh, Montreal too. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. the thing is, it's very uncharacteristic of Doyle not to disclose that information to you because, I mean, you do know the old, you know, the standard is like, how do you, how can you know if someone's a vegan? They'll fucking tell you. So, <laughs> the thing yeah, is- that's a myth. <laughs> That's the amount of times that I've been ever tried to use that joke to a vegan and it does not go over. Now I realize Well, the thing is, well, it's just I've heard it 74,000 times over two and a half decades. So (laughs) but I mean, this is the thing. It's like. I we don't do that. Um, (laughs) People ask us, are you do you want some of this? And then we say, oh, no, no, thanks. And then they go have some. It's really good. And then we go, no, no, it's okay. I'm not hungry. No, eat some, eat some. No, no, no. I, I'm vegan. I don't eat that. Yeah. Oh, and that's, that's, oh, no, well, that's now you told me. It's the, the, yeah, yeah. Yeah. They old. dig it. They dig it out, you know? Yeah, so yeah, that's. Yeah. Now I feel like a vegan bully. I'm, I'm sorry about that. Oh, <laughs> honestly, ve- vegans have seen everything. That's why we're vegan. We've seen it all. We've read it all. We know the statistics. So what you just said does not affect us at all. So yeah. don't even worry about it. It's like water. It just. Oh yeah, exactly. Yeah. Just like water. This is a question I am interested in very much about uh, being a vegan as long as you have been during the pandemic. Did it how did it affect your health? Have you did you feel that you were healthier during this time or. I mean, I guess, you know, the pandemic affected everyone equally, which is pretty interesting, actually, because there's not too many historical events that have happened in my lifetime where everybody was affected equally. But this is one of those things that really it didn't matter, you know, what your social status was, what your gender was, what your age was. I mean, everybody was at risk in different ways and it was pretty hard to navigate. I think that everybody had a different way of coping with it. Uh, For my part, I stayed really optimistic. I tried to bury myself in work, which I which I did and I always do. But I um, yeah, I, I managed to stay, I would say pretty healthy Uh, i'm pretty proud of myself for you know because there's always like that little tipping point of you know like uh, i i think most people have a tipping point between being content and being depressed and it's and the pandemic pushed a lot of people right to that point you know yeah 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 and so i'm 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 proud of myself that i was able to you know stay on the right side of that 
and that's the way I want to, I want to get into. And we do this in usually a couple more hot topics, but this is the one that I want to bring up this week. And we call it hot topics because we usually take a source, uh, whether it's our friends at Brave Words or this one comes from a blabbermouth. Uh, there was an article just out recently about the impact of the pandemic had on creativity in rock and roll. And there was a bunch of rockers out there that said, uh, look, this this pandemic really uh, brought me down. It did. It, it pushed me over that edge. And I'm just curious about your, uh, you know, how, what your take was and how your creativity was affected during the pandemic and, and Kane as well. Yeah. But you, you first, Elisa. Okay. Um, yeah. I mean, I know Kane and I were talking quite a bit at the beginning of the pandemic as well, just trying to stay creative and keep doing right. stuff. And um, in my case, I have so many big projects that I, that I know they're year long, like they're projects that will take years and years. And so this was an opportunity I had where I was like, well, I really want to be touring, but nobody's touring right now. So I can right. take that time and devote it to these other projects that I want to work on. And so I did that. And again, I, I haven't read that article, but I, I really think that there's no correct way to deal with this because nobody's ever dealt with this before. Yeah. And so I don't think that we can judge somebody's way of coping uh, with, with something like this. So in my case, I, I really, you know, harnessed everything I was feeling and wrote songs and made paintings and wrote poems and made music videos and, you know, did recorded a bunch of stuff and really focused on just staying creative because that's what keeps me grounded Right. Um, but I can definitely see how, you know, like I said, that's just a, one little tipping point between yeah. what I described and full on, like just staying in bed all day. So it's, um, it's, it's tough, you know, that was a tough time and it, it still is in some ways. Yeah. I kind of, I kind of felt that, that it was, it was a little bit, and, and I got the sense from you as well. It's, it's, it's not, it's not appropriate for it to be related to your creativity. Cause that's, that's the stuff that you own and the rest of this news that comes in and swirls around, whether it's good or bad, it shouldn't affect that. And in other words, if some of the news and things that, that you see are happening, of course, that's going to influence certain aspects of your creativity, but it, it shouldn't uh, shut it, shut it down in any way. So I, I was like, you know, and then people would say, you know, do you, you, you know, you can't go out to clubs or anything. And I said, well, I, I don't do that. We don't do you know, that I, anyway. I went, I went through the whole thing of like this whole list. I don't, you know, I'm a little bit reclusive. So, you know, it was okay in that light. And I remember, you know, you, you show me some of your poetry and I was thinking, you know, I wonder when, when this started, I, that was one of the questions I had for you because, because, you know, you, you if you look at sort of the, the sort of uh, inexorable path that you took towards where you are right now, I was wondering where the, where the poetry started to happen because it, it's very evolved. It's, it's really awesome. I mean, is, was that something you were doing just as a little kid, you know, writing poems and then it kept growing or, yeah, I mean, I, I've always enjoyed writing. I really enjoy languages. Um, yeah. I did, like, I studied literature and poetry in English and French, and um, I, I just really enjoy it. I'm fully aware that it can be, like, completely pretentious, by the way. So yeah. <laughs> I'm, <Yeah>. like, <laughs> there like, was one time. That's part of the fun. That's part of the fun of yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there was one time. I, I I'm aware of that, but I also kind of love it, like, I remember being in a coffee shop at one point somewhere in the States um, and I was there alone. I was just, you know, going to chill and read a book or whatever. And then there was this dude there with like 
blonde dreads and no shoes and he walks up to me because i guess he saw me sitting alone and he goes hey can i read to you from my poetry book (laughs) and i was like you got no shoes you got a poetry book yes let's do this and so then i just sat there and he read to me and it was so he was so proud of his work it was so honest it was just like this human being trying to share their creative process with a total stranger and i loved that so much it actually like inspired me i don't even remember if the poetry was good but just the the fact that he did that was so like such like an honest representation of human interaction and so i yeah i mean i always um carry like a little book with me like i I have it i have it there now and um i just anytime i think of something i just put it into poems and then sometimes those poems become songs yeah Yeah. i was gonna say a lot of times maybe some of those poems that you have end up getting into lyrics in the new Arch Enemy album. For, for instance, are there any of those poems that became uh, uh, songs on in Deceivers, which is the new record, folks? Yeah, yeah. So um, one of the singles from Deceivers that came out, I think, right at the end of last year is called House of Mirrors. And that was written as a poem uh, in 2020, right in the, the kind of peak of that lockdown which i know that was different in different countries but um in in quebec it was really strict and um i realized something through this pandemic also about myself which is that i would jokingly always think like oh i'm an introvert i'm always alone anyways and the thing is i i am fine being alone and i'm alone a lot but i'm really an extrovert i've realized that now because Mm -hmm. i missed human interaction so much during that pandemic like, I really missed it. And I know we have FaceTime and stuff, which made it, you know, like a, a luxury pandemic in a way. But yeah. um, I I really just being able to physically see my friends and family in person, finally, after so much time away from them, um, is something that I really, really appreciate and missed. And when I finally got to see my band again, after almost two full years of being separated from them, it was just like the best feeling. So yeah, House of Mirrors was a poem first, Exiled from Earth also, which is the last song on the album was a poem first too. Yeah, the, the extrovert part, I got a sense when I saw you in, in LA, I mean, you have a powerhouse behind you, you know, Jeff and you know, they're, they're, everybody's just, they're, they're just fully holstered with massive talent and power. Yeah. And you were like in front and there was the extrovert because you know, you shoved the band where you, the audience where you want them to go. It was just, it was really great. And by the way, you know, it's it's a really worthwhile show to see, you know what I mean? Because you see you see these photos and you see a video here and there. It's way different live. So yeah, I think we we pride ourselves on being uh, a live band. Like we're yeah. very much like a song focused band, and we really put a lot of we we have a lot of pride in the way that we pr- perform the songs live. Yeah. So um, I I. I'm glad to see that people appreciate that and that's coming across. And yeah. I mean, it's the same thing with the Alice shows. It's so interesting to watch. I got to see it just once, but it was right before that, uh, the music <laughs> video. That. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Remember you told me somebody said, why are you here? And why are you with Kane? You know, you were Doyle. They completely. Oh yeah. yeah. That's yeah. true. I forgot about they, they thought that Doyle was you, right? Yeah. Just because of Alice, I think that's what Yeah. It was. Yeah. Yeah. They thought I was. Oh, she's just a muscle guy. Then, you know, Alice asked me to play that night and, you know, I said, well, geez, I, you know, I, I didn't bring a guitar. So, 
you know, I, I ended wow. up not doing it. That would that would have been cool. But yeah, that was that was interesting uh, watching him play. I hadn't seen him in you know about twenty years or whatever either. So I'm sure a whole nother group of people you're happy to see are those you know those inner circle of fans that come to all the shows and you get to see them after pandemic. And I know with us with the Alice yeah. Cooper band after not playing for a couple of years and then going out there. I mean, just to see that front row, that familiar front row, and you see those faces, even though we can't hang out with them still, we're still touring under pretty strict COVID protocols, which is fine. Yeah. We understand we got to keep the show on the road and we want to play show one to show, you know, end. But at the same time, it's just to see those people and, and see that they are so appreciative that we're up on stage again, it's a good feeling. Yeah, totally. I mean, there's definitely people that I recognize, like, and I know by name and by face that are at specific shows or several shows. And that's such a good feeling, right? Just to, it gives a, a sort of sense of, okay, like the world still exists, you know, because it's like this person that lives across the planet somewhere else. And maybe we would just never see them again. But then there they are, right yeah. in the front row singing the songs. And like, you know, it's just, it's a really nice feeling to feel Actually, that normalcy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, folks, we are here with Elisa White Gloves. And from Arch Enemy, I have another special surprise. Obviously, Kane Roberts, our co-host today. Thank you very much. Uh, we are at the Haunted Mansion here somewhere in Virginia. Yeah. And um, I actually want to keep the thing rolling because I have another sort of uh, surprise up my sleeve. Usually, we have a section called Let People Speak, which are uh, fans and and. Uh, supporters of the show and thank you very much for supporting the podcast everybody that's been in the trenches and in the live chat at the ryan roxy official youtube channel um thanks for doing that if it's your first time watching uh because you know elisa then just hit that subscribe button for us and it'll help us out with the algorithm uh we have a very special she couldn't make it uh in on another screen right here but uh a very special question from a very special person that sort of is in all of our orbits right now. So Vic, are we ready to run it? Let's run it. Hello to two of my absolute favorite people. It is Nina Strauss coming to you from the beautiful lounge at the Bogotá airport. <laughs> and my question for you, Elisa, is this. I know that you have your solo music that you make. You write music with Arch Enemy and you also guest on a lot of other artists' music. And so my question is, what is it like for you? What is your process like when you're creating for your own music versus creating for Arch Enemy or doing a guest song with someone else? Love you both. Miss you. I hope to see you guys soon. There you Yay! go. <laughs> Such it's a nice surprise. Part of the uh, Demi Lovato tour right now. And uh, there she is. Guitars. Uh, Usually on stage left, but now we've got Kane Roberts on stage left. The, but we're all sort of friends and family. The sweetest person. Ever. She's the best. The yeah. best. So we're talking about all this creativity and, and poetry and, and putting it into songs. Uh, Nita's question was based around, uh, because you have your solo work that you do, you have Arch Enemy work, and you do a lot of collaboration. Um, do you have a different approach to each, and what is that approach, and how do you approach that songwriting process? Yeah, I mean, it is quite different, and I, I think that having done so many collaborations over so many years has given me a lot of ammo to be able to write solo songs. Um, so essentially, when it comes down to Arch Enemy, uh, Michael, the the founder of the band, guitar player, will send me like instrumental mixes of the songs. 
And then I basically go through them. And sometimes he has ideas already. So he'll be like, okay, I have a vocal idea. I have lyrics. And then those songs, you know, I'll go over them with him and see exactly what he's trying to do. And then I record them in the studio. If he doesn't, um, it's usually about 50-50 on the albums. Right. Um, I'll put down my lyrics, like like I was saying, House of Mirrors, Handshake with Hell, Exiled from Earth, uh, The Watcher, like uh, there's a bunch on Deceivers. Mm. Um, many are, that are already singles, actually. Um, so I'll put my lyrics down. I'll record a little demo uh, in my home studio. And then usually I'll send that to Michael and Daniel, the drummer, because they both work really closely together to put the songs together. And we'll kind of just like start working it, you know, like polishing it and massaging the pieces and getting everything to go how we want it to go. So that's um, for Arch Enemy. Then for solo stuff, um, Anita knows this as well because she is grinding at all times. She's always running on like a thousand percent. She also has a Patreon page. She's, you know, done solo stuff. She has her her fitness system, the shred system, uh, the body shred thing. Like she's always working as well and um so she knows very well what goes into that and so for solo stuff for me it's um it's been a learning curve which i have thoroughly enjoyed because i don't play drums and i barely play guitar like i mean i play guitar but like not well you know what i mean <laughs> and so i have basically from the time i decided to do a solo album until now i have acquired the gear that I needed for a home studio, built the home studio myself, taught myself how to engineer and produce, taught mm -hmm. myself guitar, taught myself how to program drums and started writing songs essentially. So um, I learned so many things just from attempting one thing, which has been really, really cool. It's definitely pushed me outside my comfort zone. And same, the same thing applies for the music that I've been releasing on my Patreon page. So I run my Patreon page kind of like a like a fan club, like an old school fan club. So there's like this thing that I do called Song of the Season. And so every season I release a new song and then I base that season around that song. So there's um, exclusive. Yeah. So there's merch that's only available for that period of time and then never printed again um, with commissioned artwork based on the lyrics of the song. I make a little music video for it. Sometimes it's full production, but other times I've shot it myself, like in my living room. Uh, so and, and and it's it's not just like an iPhone video. Like I do a proper job with it. You know what I mean? Not yeah. that there's anything wrong with an iPhone video, but you know what I mean? Like I really put like you know, my uh, best videos whole... are iphone videos what are you talking yeah. about yeah <laughs> no but it's not just to say it's not like a pandemic video like it's more yeah. of like an actual i call it a visualizer but it's really more of like a music video and so when it comes to that um specifically for those songs on patreon i keep them exclusive on patreon simply because i'm not giving myself any boundaries with them i'm just like if I want to do a song like this, I'm going to do it. If I want to do a song like that, I'm going to do it. Like not fitting into any particular genre or structure. And uh, that's been a lot of fun too. So yeah, I mean. Little Elisa world within the Patreon. I'm doing something similar with this all excess pass where it's a private Instagram page in that people because a lot of times on the public page maybe they don't want to see you know you brushing your teeth or what this hotel room looks like in Dayton Ohio but with my all access pass I give you like 
every backstage. You want to see what's going on from the time I step on the tour bus to the time I step off the plane to go back home. That's why I'm doing the all access. And it sounds like I'm trying to create a little world like well, that. You know, the, the thing I, I when I thought of your solo work and by the way, I, you know, I don't I don't know if you have like an entire album, you know, in wrapped and ready to go. I know you were in Europe for a while. They're recording some of it. I, yeah. I believe that's true. Yeah. So. Um, but when we got the uh, what you sent to us, you know, you can imagine we're in we're in the studio and we hit it. And, you know, first we hear, you know, your growl and then we hear this uh, <laughs> this voice. You know what I mean? And you're you're singing, let's say, I don't know what this call a, a legit voice or melodic. <laughs> clean. It, it, we call it clean. Sounds like an alto sax, like just hitting these incredible notes. And we're just standing there looking at it. So he said, what do you think? And I said, don't touch any of this. And I'm just wondering, you know, you're just talking about the creative process. You know, why stand in your own way? So you're, you're open. If you want to do something, you do it. When you're working on your solo stuff, do you do you feel uh, more inclined to go for, let's say, a le legit thing? Or whether it's a growl voice or it's just whatever moves you at that moment, that's the direction I'm going to go. That's so that's exactly the question that she helped out uh, our script supervisor, Federica, who's been great at our social media promotion. And she really helped out this week. Thank you, Federica, with the uh, building up the backlinks of the script. Uh, thank you. And Vic as well. But her question was growl, to growl or not to growl. Uh, do you prefer growling or clean singing and how do you approach that so it's kind of the same question i love it well, I yeah you. i mean i think a lot of people have that question actually and for me i i really enjoy both yeah. um i really love doing both obviously in arch enemy it's like 95 percent growling sure. but there's a lot of interesting things in growling as well. Like I don't just do one kind of growl. Like I'll do mm -hmm. super lows, super highs, growling with a note in there. So it's almost right. melodic singing, um, you know, like more whispery ones. Like that's yeah, fun to a, me also. Like there's a real peak to it, you know, like, yeah. there's a, like a curve. Yeah. Yeah. And so I, I love growling. That's what I do the most. Uh, we do have a little bit of clean singing in Arch Enemy now, and that's also super fun. We've been performing uh, Handshake with Hell has like a few yeah, clean yeah, singing yeah, parts yeah. in it. So we've been performing that live. And um, yeah, I really like I like doing both. I, I really can't choose one or the other. What would you say to people that want to learn how to do it without having to get uh, node surgery in, you know, one month or two months? Because like, what? Because there must be a lot of males and females that want to learn the technique. What's the what would be your sort of your growling starting starter kit? Um, yeah, I mean, I. I never had any nodes or anything, thankfully. Knock on, yeah, <laughs> knock I mean, on whatever it would. Would um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I never had anything like that. I've I've experienced fatigue before, but that's usually if I am sick. Like if I get sick on the road, then that just that takes me out. But as long as I don't get sick, I'm fine. And uh, my technique is self-taught. I you know I started doing that in my teens, and essentially I just did it just by listening to other bands that were doing that and just really analyzing like what is that vocalist doing how are they producing that listening to them speak and then comparing their speaking voice to the voice that i heard them singing with right. um very very analytical in that sense and then producing the sound and i think one of the best things that you can do if you're trying to learn this is number one find a space where you can be loud so 
this is something that's really tough for drummers and singers is our instruments are loud. So we can't sit in an airport lounge and practice. We can't sit in a hotel and practice. You know what I mean? It's loud. So first things first, find, you know, your garage or your friend's basement or whatever, where you can be loud. Next thing I would say is find a way to record yourself, whether it's on your phone or with a microphone, find a way to record your voice and then try singing along to like just one part of a song that you like that you're familiar with and then listen to what you did and then analyze yourself in the same way and that way you can really kind of pinpoint like okay well i thought this felt pretty good but that didn't sound good when i listened back or this was really easy to do and it sounds good i'm going to keep doing that Um, because with vocals specifically we're our ears are getting feedback from many different locations we're hearing the outside sound coming in we're hearing like right now for example i'm hearing my voice going into this microphone and then coming back through these headphones and we're also hearing our bone voice so we're hearing our skull rattling and vibrating because it's producing it's resonating the sound so um you want to you want to make sure that you're able to identify what others will be hearing and not just what you hear in your head and and then just practice and don't overdo it. If it starts to hurt, just stop for the day and then right. continue tomorrow. I smell an Eliza White Glass masterclass coming on. Soon. <laughs> I've, honestly, been, I've been asked to do that before, actually. That sounded really should. good because now I, I'm going to try it because the, the worst, the I guess, because we both went to school. I went on the West Coast of music school. You went, you went to I Berkeley. Went to kidney. Uh, yeah. uh, kindergarten. <laughs> he graduated right. kindergarten, which is good. <laughs> but he went to Berkeley. I went to, to GIT. But I think we both learned the real things in the trenches. I think we both learned to playing on the road and practicing. The, 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 the uh, I guess, advantage for that is we're not hurting ourselves by learning stuff. You can practice bad techniques and that's not good. So you have to relearn. But with your voice, it's so important to learn the right technique from the beginning. Did you, did you ever see a vocal coach? Did you ever have somebody, you know, because your, your sense of it is you really do have to understand your instrument, you know, the whole breathing process, where the, the note is coming from and how to, did you ever do that? Or, you know, school? Um, I, I didn't, I never did school. I, only recently started sometimes like I, I I haven't done consistent classes but I um well again when I started dating Doyle as a gift he got me um one session with Don Lawrence and yeah and so I saw him for one session and um I've uh I've hung out with Melissa Cross a couple times and um I actually recently started doing like I, I just did two two classes with a pop singer named like she goes by the name rosette uh mm. her name is jen beaupre and she's a fantastic singer and um for me the the lessons are more for fun um i have had the experience where often when i go into a lesson the coach will tell me and this is this just happened again that they don't know what to tell me because I'm already doing the things that I want to do. And also a lot of coaches don't understand screaming. So mm-hmm. if I ever do go to like a lesson or something, it's more for the clean singing. And it's more just because I want to add more colors to my my pencil case. You know, I want to add more crayons to the crayon box. So it's like, I'll go see a pop singer because I want to, you know, get better at runs. And like, am I going to do runs in Arch Enemy? Probably not, but I like to know that I can do them. So yeah, yeah a- so I've it's for fun. Yeah, right before my um, Saints and Sinners record that Desmond Child had me go to 
see the same coach that worked with you know Steve Tyler and all, all these different people. And it, it made a huge difference. I, I had no sort of I didn't use my intellect to connect to what the instrument was and how it operates. And, and that is a pretty big moment. You said, you you know, you had one or two lessons. You think you 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 got some stuff out of it and you say, like, you know, I, I can I can exercise that way. Or do you feel like I kind of I kind of know where I'm at right now? I know what I'm doing. I almost don't want to get pushed in any direction. I mean, I definitely know where I'm at. I'm also open to advice. My issue yeah. that I've found is that when I have sat with different um, vocal coaches, they are either intimidated by the screaming and they just don't know what to do, or yeah. they actually aren't aware of how versatile my singing voice actually is. And so they try to start me like as a beginner with singing. Right. And then yeah. I just, yeah. I, I remember one time I just was like, stop. And then I just sang a, a song from Sia. And I was like, no, no, listen to my voice. It sounds like this. And then they were like, oh, well, why are you here then? <laughs> you know, so, so I, I, yeah, so I can definitely improve and I'm always willing to improve and always interested in improving. And I love vocals and I love learning about singing. Um, but I think that my method of being self-taught and it's almost like with working out, you know what I mean? Like you can sure. go to a trainer and learn the basics, but you can also work out on your own and get excellent results because yeah. you'll know when your muscles fatiguing, you're, you, you get, you build that muscle mind connection. You'll know how to do a, a quad dominant squat versus a glute dominant squat, for example, yeah, you know yeah, what I yeah. mean? And yeah, there's yeah. nothing that somebody can tell you that, but until you do it yourself, it's not going to be built into your muscle memory. And so, right. um, yeah, I mean, I, I think honestly the, what I learned the most, the way that I learned the most is by touring. Yeah. Seeing how I feel on stage, seeing the yeah. other bands that we tour with and just, you know, I'll like, I saw Lacuna Coil play a few weeks ago and I was just like, it was funny. <laughs> Cause Randy, Randy from Lamb of God was on the other side of the stage kind of taking photos and, Christina, the singer, the one of the singers, she sounded so good. I was alone watching it and I was just like, I was like <laughs> falling yeah. over backwards because it sounded so good. And Randy saw me doing that and he was laughing his ass off because <laughs> I was being super dramatic. I was like, oh God, I need to sit down because she sounded yeah. so good. And and so, yeah, I just pick up from seeing my friends and other bands doing their thing. Yeah, it's, it's almost like you accept, accept the, the gift. You know what I mean? Because it's, it's, it's a great moment like that. Yeah. Your speaking voice is completely clear. So obviously you're not, I, I don't feel like you're doing any harm to your voice with the growling because you obviously learned how to work with it. And I don't know if it's warm up or warm down, whatever it is, it's, it's working for you. So don't stop it. I mean, it's... I guess it's the same with, you know, us playing guitar. It's like, yeah. we, of course, there's a million different ways to play guitar. You just, at the very end of the day, you have to find the way that works for you. So, yeah, my, my thought on, on your clean singing voice is it, if I had never heard the growl, it still would have been a shock. I mean, he, you know what I mean? This, this, yeah. This, a little bit of that separation that, that one doesn't rely on the other to be to be stunning. Yeah, and I think that's, and, you know, after, I'm sure that this happened to me. I thought I was a great guitar player. And I mean, then I moved to LA and I was like, fuck, there's all these fucking amazing. Yeah, now and you're then, in the NFL. And then yeah. after after the first tour, I just thought, okay, now I get it. You know what I mean? Until that first tour that you do, it's a it's a different, it's a different uh, artist, different person, you know? Yeah. And I mean, studio, my instrument in studio, it's a completely different thing than on stage. Like singing in a studio is so different than singing on stage. Uh, 
I mean, on stage, you know, you're jumping around, you have crazy adrenaline going on, but also the sound is completely different. I, I really think it's important not to underestimate the importance of hearing when it comes to being able to sing or play. Mm. Um, you really need to be able to hear what's going on. So um, one of the most important vocal techniques, I think, that, that I work on is my hearing technique, you know, right. because it's very easy to you know how you can like focus your ears? Like you can, if you're in a crowded restaurant, let's say you can like zone in on someone's conversation sure. if you want to. <laughs> it's yeah. the same thing with like when you're performing, like you could zone in on the drums to find the beat or you could zone in on your voice or you could zone in on your guitar. Like you have to know how to do that without getting overly distracted and, and you know, you're doing it while playing or while singing. So I think hearing technique is really important too. The giant step for me on this draw, really, really quickly, is, is the is the in ear monitor. For me, oh, is this your first time using this is it? First time doing like, it, so he's having a whole new world. Like, oh baby. man! It sounds like a fucking banjo in my ear. I'm like, oh, what the fuck is this? You know what I mean? So I'm like, going, okay, you know, I feel like he should be playing a hillbilly song so or something. He's got the yeah. band ears plus me and Tommy telling him to go stage right and say so He's got then a whole twenty songs with a bunch of different riffs. And, and this while I'm on heroin. That's the crazy. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, in-ear monitors are a blessing and a curse. I, I would not go back to. I, I, I did like ten years without them. I would never go back. But I know exactly what you're talking about. There's so much trust. You have yeah. to trust that it's not sounding like that out front. Sure. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's a, it's a monitor. It's exactly that. It's a, it's a monitor. You're monitoring what you're doing. You're not getting a nice mix. You're, you're monitoring what you're doing. Because for me too, my voice in my ears is like dry and like crazy loud or too quiet and or it sounds like a yeah, yeah, yeah like sounds like a mess you know but that's what i need to get through the song and i just have to trust yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you're, and, you're, and sometimes you're... i'll i'll like take one off just so i can get a little moment of like satisfaction by hearing the room you know <laughs> i did that and it was so loud the hair blown back on my crucifix <laughs> <laughs> the thing is this reference is going to be maybe uh, a little too old for you us, us old schoolers will understand it but yeah. when you mentioned about hearing i was wondering if you might be like lindsey wagner you might be like the bionic woman because she could do that remember sure sure <laughs> I, I don't know what you're talking about but yeah the bionic yeah, woman oh, it was the no, bionic man that. yeah all yeah. right Lindsay Wagner. See, no, normally I, yeah. Vic Shell. Oh, now I always see what you're talking with, about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She had a bionic ear and she could um, actually focus in on conversations miles away. Yeah. That's what a that's what Elisa was talking about. Yeah. Your, your Patreon beastlings. I've actually seen them in the chat right now. Thank you very much for supporting. They're they're Thank you guys. Uh, they're questioning or they're they're not questioning, they're requesting some uh Elisa uh growl class if you will on the patreon but we're going to get a lot other uh more people coming in to your patreon all from your social media links right now so let's uh put all the social media links up now for elisa uh and uh where the people can find you and uh what would be the best way to get in touch with you and find out more about patreon yeah so um all those links that you have there are Arch Enemies links and you can probably pretty easily find my personal links through there. Oh yeah, my personal links are there. Um, on most of the platforms, it's just like my name essentially. And um, I believe if you go to <clears throat> the link in my bio on my Instagram page, I, I switch it out. Sometimes it's a link to like all my stuff and sometimes it's a link to all the Arch Enemy stuff. Um, but if you go to elisawhiteglass.com, that's probably a really easy way to do it and everything is there. 
Awesome. And starting at the end of the month, we'll be able to see you all across Europe and then plans to come to the States. And so Arch Enemy and Elisa will be all over the world if you want to see them anytime yes. soon. Great. Uh, Elisa, I can't thank you enough for uh, for being on the pod and uh, having Kane as our co-host. It's been thank great. You. I love thank it. You. Uh, usually leave by, uh, you know, some sort of inspiration if you have uh, gotten any sort of quote that you sort of live by that can help out our listeners. I know uh, Kane might have a quote or maybe you, Elisa, might have a quote uh, that you guys sort of or sort of a creed <laughs> that you follow. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, okay, I could I could take a quote from Doyle, actually. Doyle is a man of few words, but very wise words. And he says this jokingly, but actually it makes a lot of sense. And so if ever you feel lost, just remember that wherever you go, there you are. That's, That's it. <laughs> I'll use a Doyle quote, uh, too. He said, stay huge, bro. <laughs> there it is those there are is. all short to the point i love it yeah elisa Weiglas, thank you so much for being our guest kane roberts thanks for being the co-host everybody thank we're gonna take, we might take a week or two off we'll see what happens with the schedule within the trenches keep on every single week uh supporting on the channel the youtube official again if this is your first time hit that subscribe button uh thanks again elisa thanks kane my little advice to all of you enjoy the ride Thanks a lot, guys. See you. See ya. In the trenches with Ryan Roxy.